I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Well, happy Throat Punch Thursday. How are you doing on this fine, cold day? Doing pretty good. All bundled up in a blanket, in a jacket, sweats. Doing really good. It's so cold here. Yeah, it, it's funny because for me, the Central Valley goes from really hot summer, then we get about 10 days where it cools off into winter. We don't really have a spring and a fall. We do not. Yeah, so it it always catches me off guard. We seem to just have this very cold switch into winter, and I understand our winter is still warmer than other people's winters. <laughs> But it's cold to me. Lucky us. Too bad for them. So unfortunately, one of the podcasters that I follow, Megan Kelly, her sister passed away this weekend of a heart attack. Oh, that is that is very sad news. She was 58 years old. And from what I understand from Megan Kelly, had some medical issues over the last couple of years. So I'd like to start out by saying sorry for your loss, Mrs. Kelly. Yes, absolutely. Our condolences. That is a very, very difficult loss to take in. Well, it's very interesting how our pastor often talks about things like this. And we had just gone to a service here recently where he talked about not knowing that you may not even have the next minute. Right. You don't know when God is going to call you home. Absolutely. But it also made my little mini cynical mind kind of think a little bit as well as, okay, did she get a COVID shot? Did she have a reaction? Or is this just a heart attack or from somebody with underlying health conditions? I will say yeah. I think about that too, not just with her, but whenever I read, you know, um, someone losing their, especially their child, 16-year-old healthy girl, 17-year-old healthy boy, no known medical conditions, and in those cases, just dropping dead of what appears to be heart conditions, I will say that my mind goes there too. It does, and we may be, you know, totally off base. We won't know until some more data is built and more things happen. And I'm not going to get into the particulars of that because we just don't know. It's an unknown. One thing I do know, though, is that local politics is uh, in the news again. Our local politics is going a little... Wiry. I mean, we talked about some of the stuff that has happened in years past with, for instance, the story of my grandmother where she met a politician and then the the short version is said, I'll vote for you this time, but you're going to be corrupt by the next time you run. And lo and behold, that person was swept up in a scandal, a pay for play sort of thing. So what is going on now? Well, you know, the Central Valley's used to be predominantly Republican or people that were conservative, or if they were left-leaning, they were middle left or right on the edge. Right, uh, or correct. Yes, yeah, so I we have say. an assemblyman. His name is Jim Patterson. He's been our representative here in the Central Valley for years. Ten years now. And apparently for ten years he has tried to get additional funding for Fresno State for the students. And for, and for the facility. 
and apparently he was turned down again. That's why there's a bond measure coming up on the ballot for November. That is a small tax again to try to raise funds, or it's a tax potentially, not a bond. So they can do 75% of the monies for students and 25% for the facilities. And he made a comment recently on a talk show that he has tried literally for 10 years, has put proposal after proposal before the governor and before the legislature in Sacramento, and they have turned him down 100% of the time. Why do you think that is? Because we're not left-leaning. So what what sort of funding does Fresno State get? Because they they have facilities, they have buildings, they have students. So what kind of help are they getting? Just the bare minimum and other colleges are getting extra funds through the state? Is that what's happening? That's kind of what I was led to believe in my own mind by listening to him is that they're handing out monies disproportionately. Okay. Southern California universities that take the type of funding from Sacramento that he's looking for and Bay Area communities are their colleges are receiving more funds than ours, than Fresno State. So you would think that it would be dealt out a little more uh, evenly across the board. Right, that there would be some even-handedness in doling out taxpayer money for taxpayer institutions. Here's the interesting thing that he also talked about, was that 50% of the students, and these are not my numbers, these are his, so they've done the stats, so they know the numbers, 50% 50% of the students are first-time college students, first at, generation. At Fresno State? Yes. And out of those 50%, 50% stay in the Central Valley, and they create jobs. They work at careers that raise money and bring in tax revenue and funds to the Central Valley. So it's not like the money he's asking for is going to come here. Students are going to graduate. They're not out-of-state students and then split. Okay. Half of them are going to stay here in the Valley and contribute. Half of the half. Half of the half. At a minimum. So I will say when I was going over the measures that we have out there, I'm usually a no vote. You want to add taxes, I'm I'm a no. I don't think we spend well to begin with. Uh, We do not. We're going to talk about that a little bit later because I have a little bit of... uh, Navy info for you that's very, very interesting. Okay, but let's keep it local for now, but but go to a different story. So we just had, this past Monday, a 13-year-old student was hit by a car while crossing in a crosswalk at 7 o'clock in the morning. So far, it looks like the student is going to be okay, but it just kind of, it it brings to my mind how we don't, really pay attention as we're driving I watch people cross into crosswalks all the time people attempting to cross the road will wait longer because some will notice that the car isn't going to stop or turning right on red they don't they think oh okay I just came to kind of a stop and I'm going to turn real quick and not pay attention to who's who's in that crosswalk so just kind of a reminder to watch out for pedestrians It is school, you know, school time. Kids are going to be going to and from school. Pay extra attention. That's one thing that's happened in Fresno recently, not only with pedestrians walking across, but with bicyclists. Because we have tried to allow people to ride bikes out on the street, and they call them bike lanes. 
And the only thing that separates the bike lane from the actual right-hand driving lane is a beautiful stripe or some little bumpers. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of accidents and deaths by cars hitting bicycles, and we need to come up with an alternate solution for that because, unfortunately, it seems like 90% of the drivers, sometimes me included, are in a hurry. They're not paying attention, and the end result is something that you cannot back out of once the incident or accident has happened. You can't go backwards and fix it. Right, and I've I've actually had some friends who have said that we should just ban bicyclists, we should ban, you know, anyone, no share the road, nothing of that sort, just ban them. And I will say I do ride on occasion. I I personally stick to um, dedicated bike and walking trails, but we do not have enough of those here in the Central Valley, in the Fresno and Clovis, Sanger, you know, and surrounding areas, we don't have enough just dedicated areas where cars aren't allowed. We don't. And the way our infrastructure was designed probably from 50, 60 years ago till now is biking, even though it's an exercise and it's fun, some think of it as more of a fad that it will eventually fade away. So they probably never looked at that into the future. Unlike other municipalities like SoCal, that actually designs their parks and recreation stuff around people and not around homes and freeways and buildings and such. And then for those avid bike riders, I mean, they're going 30, 40, 50 miles, and there's not 30, 40, 50 miles of bike trails to to go on here. You you have to go into either a bike lane or sometimes you're on a two-lane, one-lane each-way road, and you will come up to bicyclists who are riding And there's also a need that it goes both ways, that cars watch out for bicyclists, but also bicyclists are, they should be following the rules of the road. And I do, you know, I do understand that sometimes bicyclists are the ones making the bad decision. We've been driving from, you know, one location to the next and a group of bicyclists decided to blow their stop sign and ride out in front of traffic because they figured there was enough of them and they could just take over the lane. We had to slam on our brakes to avoid hitting them. And then you get that one bicyclist that stops their bike and puts their hand up as if to say, you need to stop for us. So are there bad bicyclists too? Yes. So let's just get that out there. But there is no dedicated place for them to go ride without cars on the road. And in in the earlier situation, which was a pedestrian, they were in a crosswalk. That was on the car, the driver. And what do you think the odds are that a cell phone was involved with the driver? I think the odds are very high. And nowadays, you can, if you have a smartphone, you can just tell it, hey, you know, hey, Google, do this. Hey, Siri, do that. Well, and we've become a phone-driven society, unfortunately, because I have been guilty a couple times as well of texting or looking at my phone while I'm driving, and I've been corrected by somebody sitting to the left of me. Yes, because you can say, hey, you know, whatever your phone is, and then tell it what to do. Read that last text message. Send a text message to so-and-so. Get me directions to this place. 
Just got to practice. That is correct. Practice makes perfect. You know what else we are good at practicing at? What's that? Spending money. Like $1.7 million on a single toilet in San Francisco. No way. They're really good. One toilet. On one single public toilet. I wonder if they've done the math on how many people are going to use that toilet so they can divide the $1 million divided by how many people use it to get a um, dollar cost average per day. Yeah, when I heard that they were spending $1.7 million on a single public toilet, I, I would be outraged, but it is San Francisco. And somehow they secured the funding to do it. I just, I don't understand how there's not riots by the taxpayers in San Francisco. Well, it's because taxpayers are scared. Because if you rock the boat, guess what happens? You get audited. Oh, that's true. Or stranger things happen to you. If you own a business, you have all kinds of inspections that you have never had in the All past. of a sudden come up? Yes. You know what else has come up? What else has come up? It's a non-COVID, COVID-related story. Don't do it. Experts react to U.S. math reading scores dipping for students after COVID-19 dismal response. So do you know that the reading scores dropped to levels not seen since 1992 for 4th and 8th graders? So every... Every uh, uh, step up, every incline that we had for the past 30 years was wiped out in a single decision. Do we know how they figured this out? The reading and test scores? National test scores recently released show a sharp decline in math and reading. I believe it was the first, as we, we discussed it previously, that it was the first ever decline in math. Yes, math scores saw their largest decrease ever, while reading scores dropped to levels not seen since 1992. We talked about this last week with the California response and the Florida response with lockdowns and schools and masks and all the mandates and all the problems and all the issues. And even though the percentages would kind of show that maybe per person there was potentially more deaths in Florida, so the the uh, death ratio, death per positive test ratio was 1.1% in Florida and Texas, and it was 0.8% in California. But I would like to note that while I was attempting to look into the numbers further for both California and for Florida, Texas, etc., it was noted that California had quit reporting their their testing and death rates at a for the website that I was looking at, which was a government website. Um, they had quit reporting, so some of the data for California was incomplete, whereas it appeared that Florida and Texas were still reporting. Yes, and here's the interesting thing about that testing score. So in 2022. Florida's 4th and 8th grade students earned the state's highest ever rankings in each assessment and demonstrated historic achievement gap closures for at-risk students at all levels. Florida's Hispanic students, black students, and students with disabilities 
all scored in the top 10 in every category. Good for them. So New York's rep, one of their reps, Elise Stefanik, has told the digital world that the authoritarian mask mandates and prolonged school lockdowns has put an entire generation behind. Yeah, one of the things that really, there were many things that really bothered me, and I'm sure other people were bothered by specific instances too, but one of the things that really bothered me, especially with children's education, was the mask mandate as far as, um, well, one, deaf, hard-of-hearing students, generally they use lip-reading, and this isn't everyone, but generally they use lip-reading and pronouncing words to go with the lip-reading Um in order to communicate, they may do sign, but if a person is doing sign language in return to them, they also speak what they are saying to the person, what they are signing to the person. And then kids forming their words at young ages and learning how to make sounds, they also look at mouths to see how those words are formed. And we decided that not just for those who are deaf and hard of hearing, but for able-bodied young children as well, able, you know, hearing young children as well, that we were going to harm them and say that pushing communication to them is unimportant and it's okay because at least they're alive. That's, That's actually something that was said to me. It is better that I am alive and treated worse as a disabled person because, hey, you're alive. It's okay. So that that was one thing that really got to me with um, knowing that students who had uh, specific needs, they were being unmet. And then they were told, it's okay, at least you're alive. And clearly, we made the wrong decision for um, how we would harm our children's learning, how we would harm those who were deaf and hard of hearing, and how we would harm just children learning in general, young children learning to form words and sounds and enunciate. That's okay. You can just, you know, we're just going to push you aside. Well, you know me, I always claim to be that simpleton, that simple guy that I am. So I always try to look at things through the prism of simplicity, I guess. And I know they needed to build data during that time to make sure that this disease, this pandemic, wasn't killing young youth as well as old folks. But they found out very early that the age group was pretty much in the 80s and people with pre-existing conditions. Let's get back to this testing and this study. Interesting thing is private schools, Catholic schools, and you know who fared the best out of all of them? Who fared the best? Department of Defense schools. How did they fare the best? They did as much in-person learning or more than public schools did. Okay. So military students led the nation in post-pandemic scores. Their range was 15 to 23 points higher than all national average scores on the 2022 National Assessment of Educational Progress in Reading and Math Assessment. DODEA operates 160 schools in 11 foreign countries, 7 states, Guam, and Puerto Rico. They have approximately 66,000 students under their guise or tutelage. Catholic schools 
fared very well, as did other private institutions. The interesting thing, trying to do some research, guess what was the hardest thing to find? What was the hardest thing to find? Test scores on Christian schools. I could not find test scores on how private Christian schools did throughout the country. So they they singled out private Catholic schools, but not private Christian schools. Yes, this particular article that was written by a couple digital writers and a major news organization talked about Catholic schools, DOD, but nothing about Christian schools, which I found quite interesting because a private school is a private school is a private school. But I did find one outlet from an organization that tracks all schools as well. And they said that Christian schools fared very well, if not a little bit higher than the national average for public schools, but they did not give the test scores either. So the I, private Christian schools are not required to take standardized testing. Like, for instance, in the state of California, they're not required to take standardized testing if they don't receive state funds. So they they may do their own testing, and it can still be accredited in uh, various formats, but they aren't required to to take the the state run test. So maybe it was hard to compare apples to apples in that regard. But they they still should have some metric to where they can see how well they're doing. One thing I I do want to bring up is that our governor Gavin Newsom sends his kids to private school. And he was recently in a debate with a Republican nominee for governor. And when it was brought up as to why he kept his kids in private school when he's put so much into public schools and he says how great they are, he tried to do a spin and say, look at all that we've invested and look at all that we're doing and look at how we're trying to make California better and it's going to be just as good as those private schools. But it still didn't answer if he supports public education, why wouldn't he have his kids in the public education sphere? That's because they are doing worse, in part. I mean, um, we've talked about it outside of this podcast, but there's also claims for safety and security purposes that private schools can sometimes do better. But imagine how much security they would have at his local public school district if they put his kids in the public school. Oh, absolutely. And going through these further studies, it appears that the Fairfax County Parent Association has said that it's far worse and even more dire in the state of Virginia. They're seeing an 11-point drop-off in math and 10-point in reading, and that is the largest decline in the entire nation. Virginia is? Yes. Ooh, so, so I have some bold thoughts here. Let's not kid ourselves, though. All public school systems have been declining for 10 years plus. This has just exposed part of the problem. We have been moving away from educating our kids for a long time now, and more so going after indoctrination. I would have to agree with that. We're, it, when I listen to what's going on in the public s- square, in public schools, I am appalled that we would still support activism. You can be an activist, don't get me wrong, but activism and social justice warrior status over reading, writing, and math. Because if you can't read, how are you, like, how do you know, for instance, what you're voting for? 
how do you know that somebody isn't going to slip a contract in that you can't possibly understand and you're just going to sign a contract and then you're going to come back and claim, oh, well, I'm a graduate of the public square of the public school system, so you can't expect me to read contracts mean nothing? Well, that's possibly the point we're trying to get to, which is dumb the nation down, dumb the students down so they can get a free check every month and they don't have to worry about being smart enough to figure things out. They can just make it through life on the government dole. Uh, Maybe that is the plan. Did we talk about John Fetterman last week? We did talk about John Fetterman uh, for our listeners who may be unaware. He had a stroke in the days leading up to the primary election for Pennsylvania And his wife actually ended up giving his acceptance speech because he still won the nomination for the Democrats. And he is running um, against Dr. Oz for he has the Republican nomination. And there has been a lot of questions surrounding his health as of late and his recovery from his stroke. Well, apparently it's not just his health. It's his ability to truth tell. Well, I mean, if he's taking after Biden, that's just par for course for a politician. And any politician on the right, too, who lies. I mean, that's the definition of a politician. But what is he doing? That's the thing, is their inability, especially during an election cycle, to tell the truth and not go after their opponent personally and try to destroy them, whether it's true or not. But, you know, this gentleman, if he is a gentleman, has gone on record and he's done a couple town halls and I guess he is from the town of Braddock Braddock Pennsylvania yes okay and he is basically saying that he actually saved that town he helped oh he was the mayor yes three times three-term mayor he helped make the town better well I watched a little bit of news on that and some truth-telling by people that actually dove in and looked at the real Fetterman and what he did while he was mayor. Well, apparently he didn't like to show up for city council meetings for one. He very rarely attended a council meeting during any of his terms. Said that he really helped the town out when, in fact, the town saw a 40% decrease in population while he was mayor to 1,700 people. Poverty increased under his tenure. Violent crime went up dramatically. And dozens of vacant buildings are still vacant to this day. And a couple of people that have lived there their entire lives that were interviewed said that there's probably more empty buildings now than there are full buildings. So he saved it by dragging it down as far as he could? Yes. And it's interesting when you look at him and the parties there through different prisms, and not prison, prisms, You have one group of people I listened to that said that he absolutely did nothing for the community. As a matter of fact, it declined under his leadership. And you have others that said that there was some programs that he put in place that helped them. So they're happy with what he did. So I guess you have to look at the sum total of the parts and see exactly where the community's at now, where it was at prior to him taking over as a first-term mayor and going through three cycles, and where it's at now. So, plain and simple. 
definitely something to look into. And it just talking about these numbers and think not just with this particular uh, situation, but just overall, it would be interesting really to get the apolitical, unobstructed, let's just look at the raw data sort of viewpoint instead of, you know, whatever he cherry picked to make it sound better. If he could find one little thing, oh, we added 20% to our police department. Oh, what he means is we had to hire more cops because there was more crime or we, you know, just whatever positive spin he's trying. And then on the other side too, they may try to say, oh, this is a really bad thing. But if you look into the overall numbers, they're also spinning. However, when you look at just how many people seem to have left, the overall crime rate and the condition in which he received the town and turned over the town, the fact that he wasn't showing up for meetings really doesn't look good in his favor. I wonder if he's going to show up to the Senate or if he's going to be a, a proxy vote. Well, you know, that's a, that's a valid question or valid point. And also another point to that is the folks, I didn't want to say, oh, yeah, well, they only wanted this. Unfortunately, some of the folks they interviewed it said he did some really good things, and the programs were all about free stuff. Well, it's really good when you hand me money, yes. or, or the perception is that it's really good. I look at the debate, again, that just happened with Republican nominee Dale and Gavin Newsom when they were doing their debate, and when Dale said he would like to see a gas tax holiday to help reduce the price per gallon by, you know, California's current tax rate uh, on gas. Gavin Newsom said that that was a gimmick or a scheme. And what really helps is the checks that he's cutting to the people. And that was seen as a real help. But if you look at to me, if you look at the idea on the surface, for instance, he's cutting his claim of he's cutting checks, he's giving surplus back to the people, you have to staff a department in order and run computer systems and do checks and balances just to see who gets the checks. You have to you have to pay somebody to do that. So in order to send back however much money he's sending back, he has to pay on top of that with tax dollars because there's a government group that has to run that, you know, that particular program. Local, state, and federal gives away nothing for free. No, they don't. And so it's just another, to me, that's another gimmick. I cut you checks. Okay, vote for me. I gave you, I gave you checks. Well, how about at the end of the year, if there's a surplus of tax dollars, you give it to the folks that paid that tax money in, the taxpayers. And I guarantee you, with this, as with other things, you're going to end up having to claim that. On your taxes as on income. On your state taxes as income. So you were taxed to send money to the state. They kept your tax money. They're going to turn around and give you a little bit back. And they're going to ask you to pay it back again. So isn't that like double taxation? Well, they just like to move money around and fudge numbers. So Absolutely. I mean, that's just my take. Because they claim to be the smartest people in the room. They're actually not. They're actually, a lot of them are snake oil salesmen. So speaking of ways the government spends our money, the State Department apparently spent $20,000 of U.S. taxpayer money to fund drag shows in Ecuador. 
they decided that those drag shows that they were funding in Ecuador would help the LGBTQ communities in the South American country. We are in hurt with our gas prices. We have high taxes, and I understand that some of the tax rates were lowered, but considering uh, under Trump, and then there's talk about raising them all over again, but considering how much trouble we are have putting food on the table, putting gas in your car to get to work, getting your kids educated, and doing what would be our basics, why are we spending U.S. money on a drag show in a foreign country? Yes, and why are we sending any money to them right now when our balance sheet is not balanced? Correct. There is no reason to be spending this money, but yet the State Department said it was a good idea. Well, they must be getting a big influence from China or something because I know they're sending our money all over the world trying to combat other countries from taking over. I don't know if that's metaphorically speaking or in reality, if it's just an excuse to spend money and send money away. So we talked about this president of ours, Mr. Joe Biden, multiple times over multiple weeks. And he just did a town hall recently. I don't know if you listen to it. I try, but I will admit I, I often don't get the entire town hall or whatever he happens to be doing ingested into my brain because it hurts. Well, it's a, it <laughs> does immensely, and it's a short little thing, and it's basically about and ties into Fetterman and other politicians and their inability to tell the truth. This particular man has cognitive reasoning issues, Everybody knows it. He doesn't know it because he's the one that has the issues. He thinks he's perfectly fine. But he told another whopper the other night. He told a group of people that Congress actually put a bill forward to take care of student debt. I did hear about that. He said that it was something like one or two votes. Yes, it passed by one or two votes in Congress, and he signed it into law. But it was an executive action. Yes, it was an executive action, and folks that are his critics are just going after him because this is just another case where, does he really believe that? Uh, where is his mind really at? See, I, uh, you and I talked the other night off air and while we were watching a little news clip, and I thought maybe this guy was playing. You know, maybe he's just playing the entire world for a fool. Because nobody can, in front of millions of others, do what this guy's doing and not have millions of others look at him and go, we got to get this man out of office. And it shouldn't take a transition in Congress from one party to another to initiate the process. If the people would D's after their names, cared about the American people and cared about the rest of the world and cared about this man's health, then they would be the ones that would initiate the removal and the replacement. But sitting here talking about it, they may be more scared of number two than just letting number one write it out. So I was going to say conspiracy theory time. So I have two conspiracy theories on this one. I've heard others say one of these two conspiracy theories, so maybe it's not quite so conspiracy theory. 
But the the fact that Kamala Harris is in the number two position, people don't want her so badly that they won't invoke the 25th Amendment on Joe Biden because of who would step into place. So that's my conspiracy theory is that he picked Kamala Harris so that he wouldn't get removed in the 25th. Or I should say probably his wife picked Kamala Harris because I don't believe he's making decisions. He just does what he's told. Conspiracy theory number two on the same subject is they are trying to get to two years and one day into his presidency, which we're, we're getting close to two years and one day into his presidency. If they get to two years and one day, Kamala Harris, on her side of things, will be eligible to be elected to the presidency two more times. That one doesn't hold as much weight anymore for me because I, given her number of public speeches and how negatively she's viewed across the board, I don't think she carries the weight to get elected on her own. But if she got to the two-year and one-day mark, she can go for two elections. If she goes any day before that, then she is limited um, by the Constitution to only one more election after that so i don't think she wants that so can you take out the vp under the 25th amendment as well i think that it would have to be a domino first you would have to go for biden get it done then she's you know placed into the presidency and then they could go and do it again and that's what i would do i would take him out first and i mean by him out through the 25th amendment and his cognitive reasoning and that he's mentally unstable, not stable to be the president of the United States, get him out of there, let her take over. And then I would 25th amendment her under high crimes and misdemeanors for the runaway Southern border. And the fact that uh, it's a national security issue and I would take her out too. And then if they put Pelosi in her place, I would do the same thing to her. I would domino one, two, three. I think if they couldn't get Trump out on the 25th, we don't stand much of a chance to get Kamala Harris out on the 25th based on their claims of him having committed the same type of... Very possible. Something that I just recently learned about as far as our military folks are concerned, some of the military officials that have gotten pretty high up in their careers and then they went and retired, there are positions for them in foreign governments and some of them can make seven figure salaries working for foreign governments Um, and in some cases they're working for the Saudi government they are working for countries who may be hostile towards their people or towards the United States but these military officials are taking some pretty high-powered high-paying jobs with foreign government, I'm honestly not sure that I feel too good about that, but I don't think I know the full, you know, full requirements of what a retired, say, high-ranking officer, um, what they are and aren't allowed to do after they, they leave the government. Well, I'm sure they have to sign non-disclosures, especially if they carried a high clearance which I had heard one time from a news reporter years ago that that's why Secret Service protects a previous president 
Not but, not against their life, but against the knowledge and secrets they carry. As a side issue, I heard that if we, I don't know if we've mentioned it on the show before, if the if President Trump were to be jailed for anything that they're going after him for, he would still have Secret Service protection in jail. Yes. So do you know that a Texas senator by the name of Ted? Mr. Ted. Cruz. Mr. Cruz. Mr. Ted Cruz. He went on a show called The View. I'm surprised that he would go on uh, The View. You know what? He's, uh, he's his own man. But then, you know, a lot of these individuals, the politicians and the like, they go on opposing shows all the time. So a left-leaning person may go on a right-leaning show and a right-leaning person on a left-leaning show. So I, I shouldn't be surprised that Ted Cruz would go on The View. Well, and it was interesting that there were several protesters there. And one of them gave him the big F.U. And another one started yelling at Whoopi, talk about climate change, talk about climate change. And I guess her reply was, we do talk about climate change all the time. Now will you shut up so we can do our show? Well, then Wow, they, that's surprising. Yes, and then they went to commercial and she had them all removed, her being Whoopi. I'm not, I'm trying to figure out how I feel about like the disruption protests. Cause I, I kind of understand them. You want to be disruptive because you're trying to get your point across. But then there's a point to if you are disruptive, people are just going to dislike you. And then it's going to go against the point that you're trying to make. I am now going to never vote for that or I'm now going to be the opposite of what you want me to be just to be spiteful. Well, it's interesting you say that. Because while you were speaking, I just had a thought. So I've never watched The View. I don't know anybody that's on there personally. I mean, I know who a couple of the characters are in the cast. However, there's people that think like them. And there's people that probably had to take vacation to go to their show. Maybe cost them, I don't know if they're in L.A. or New York. Whichever side of the coast may have had to spend $1,000 for airfare plus hotel to get there and then to get there and have the first 15 minutes of the show of what they thought was going to be a great experience disrupted by people like this that think only of themselves. I'm against it because I know that if I really wanted to go see Whoopi and get her autograph as an actress, not as a a person on that show, a, a commentary personality, I know I can't use this word, but I would be, starts with a P, ends in a D. Very, very. Pleased? Yes, very upset that I just went through all this to have somebody disrupt my time watching that show. Right, and I can agree with that. And we just recently saw it too with AOC. She was hosting a couple of town halls and you had people standing up screaming in the middle of the town halls, talk about, you know, no more war. I think they were against the war in Ukraine and a few other things and her response to that um it was a negative response about what the people were doing which i disagree with i don't think they should be doing it that way that's just my opinion but she has encouraged people to be disruptive in the past and to do shout people down we had maxine waters who who told protesters to get in the faces of, in this particular case, Republicans, get in their face, don't let them have a dinner, 
yell at them in the middle of their dinner, disrupt everything they do. I think we've gotten to this disruptive phase that we think it's normal, okay, that we should do it instead of having discourse, public discourse, let's talk about it. And there's there's places for that too. If I'm having a meal in a restaurant, I'm not going to debate you over climate change, but you know, let's have true discourse. Let's let's open it up for that. However, again, just shouting in the middle of a taping of a television show, whatever you're there for, I'm probably now against. If I'm there spending a thousand dollars, you know, yes. getting to. By the way, it's in New York City, I believe. Okay, so if somebody went from our coast back to that coast, it could be very expensive. So, when it's on the other side, though, and somebody with an R after their name decides to be disruptive or get close to somebody, our Justice Department uses what law to go after them that they just did to this priest here recently? Um, they use a couple of different laws. It depends on what they're, what particular instance they're doing it in. But for one, if you're outside of a a medical clinic and you're trying to stop people from getting medical care, there's a specific law that they use in those instances. So it just depends on what the situation is, but we often see people detained and arrested and charged for those things. And in fact, there's a bunch of right-leaning conservative um, family oriented, I guess you can say pro-lifers who have uh, been arrested because they were standing outside of clinics under this particular law with the FBI, but you might be thinking of a different one. Well, yeah, just where I just noticed that when one group does it over the other, they tend tend to be treated a little differently or a little unfairly is a point I was getting at is these congressmen, senators ask these people to be violent and disruptive, but not towards them. It's okay when it's towards the other party. It's okay when it's towards the other party or group, but not towards them. Right. Apparently, just going to segue here, um, an ABC News reporter that was writing a book on Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal, apparently he had his apartment raided by the FBI, and he hasn't been seen publicly since. Oh, you mean that they're using communist-style tactics to shut down the opposition? And This guy may not be... He may have decided just to go... And write a book. May not be right-leaning. But. Uh, go put himself in the dark, so to speak. Maybe he's just like, my house got raided. I don't want to see anyone. And he's the one right. doing he's it. Like The, the FBI hi- is right. a part hiding. of that. But apparently they conducted, the FBI conducted a raid on his apartment in Arlington, Virginia in April. And he has not been seen publicly since April. Interesting. You know, a lot of stuff took place with the FBI in April. That must have been the month to go raid people's homes and to do what they did, do what yes. they're doing. I wish they'd go after some more of these lunatics that try to kidnap people and do heinous things to them. There was a ten-year-old girl the last few days that narrowly escaped a kidnapper two days in a row, and it was all caught on video. Same girl, same guy, two days in a row. Um. What. <laughs> So something that's been pointed out to me uh, through like public publications, it wasn't my realization, but it was through publications. And so bear with me, it's going to be, I think, slightly lengthy. Okay, so if you look into January 6th, 
And there's there's thousands upon thousands of hours of videos. There were people who were there, hundreds of, or no, thousands of people who were physically present, whether they were at the Stop the Steal rally or they were at the Capitol. And there were videos, photos, tweets to go with these thousands of hours of security camera videos that were going on. But as people were tweeting or posting on social media, if it wasn't the narrative that that some people wanted, the tweets vanished and a, a narrative, if you will, took hold. So there is a group that's called J6, or doing an operation called J6 Deleted, and they're talking about the Twitter manipulation of January 6th. So some of our representatives were calling on Trump to tell people to to stop doing what they're doing and to please leave the Capitol. And he actually tweeted, this is not who we are. Don't do this. You know, cop friendly, leave. Well, Twitter suspended that tweet, deleted his account, did all of that. And you couldn't see that he actually told people to not do this and to leave. So that goes into the next thing when we have a narrative that we are trying to to go with so that is if you look into this particular thing um, and how Twitter is able to hone in on these topics these people they can pull down their video they there were people who were present that got videos scrubbed from these um, social media platforms so now going back to this girl and it it, segue, it goes into um, uh, child trafficking and child pornography. These tech giants have such an ability to change a narrative and scrub pictures, videos, statements, etc. But yet, somehow, we can't scrub... We can't scrub the child pornography. We can't scrub the um, the the whole networks that they've set up to to trade children and post their pictures, and then do the the you know bad stuff that they're doing. Somehow we can't stop it from happening, but we can stop a whole entire narrative from happening. Huh? It's because it doesn't fit the narrative. And it's interesting, you have just put all that together very well and eloquently because big headline on the news, Google manipulates search engine results against Republicans, says Media Group. Their bias is undeniable. Apparently they're doing it in their Gmail too. They're being sued right now because they started junking uh, Republican-leaning mailers for for their cash grabs or trying to fund their coffers and stuff like that. But apparently they started junking all those emails so Republicans can't get money. Of course. They want to, through other means, alter another election. Yes, because there's more than one way to do it. And we have, just for our listeners, I don't know that we have ever in the history of this country ever had a perfect election. Do you think we've ever had a perfect election where somebody who wasn't supposed to vote got, you know, didn't get in there or or narratives weren't changed or lies weren't told? I mean, back when they used to shout in the public square, they would shout lies. 
You're right. And I often think about that as a simple guy. And let's go back to when we had to bring messages across country by Pony Express. How many times do you think that the note that was in there or the person that was traveling across country mysteriously didn't make it? Got altered. The vote note didn't make it or who was even running for whatever office was not there when the person got where he was supposed to be. That's, I mean, because why not? I don't like the guy, so I'm just going to kindly lose this this document, this form, this letter, etc. Yep, so tying into Department of Justice, FBI, CIA, all them guys, we just announced, we being the U.S. Justice Department, just announced multiple cases against Chinese intelligence officers here in the U.S., for flagrant violations of international law. Although they all went down at the same time, and one of them actually took place in April, um, all three different cases are items that the government is able to show China in a bad light and that its flagrant violation of international laws are examples of China's ongoing dangerous activities. So my reply is, huh, should we continue to buy millions of their products? We should shut it down. One thing here in the United States, we may not be used to the same types of hardships that other countries have faced, but I think it's time to shift. And it might be, we've gotten a little bit used to the hardships in that waiting for waiting for products, products no longer existing, not being able to do certain things. But that shift is very important to get away from that stranglehold that China has over other countries and is attempting to get over us. There's a lot right now that relies on Chinese goods and labor, you know, the labor in China to get our goods to us. It's time that we put a stop to it. We need to at least slow it down for sure, 50% plus. I mean, we can still do international trade with them. But the the major reliance that we have on them, which is pharmaceuticals, our pharmaceuticals contracts that we we do for clothing lines and clothing companies, Apple doing their products out out of China, and Apple does have a big stronghold in in the tech industry. It is time that we uh, take a a good hard and fast. Well, probably going to be a slow look because it's the government, but we need to shift just how much we're doing business with them. Well, that's where term limits come in and taking the money out of the process. Speaking of money, do you know what a literal combat ship is? Please explain. It is a resilient, flexible warship designed from the keel up to be affordable, take on new capabilities, including advanced sensors, missiles, and tech warfare. So we have a few of these. Not like the uh, USS Bonhomme Richard? No. So, there was a ship called the LCS Jackson that just wrapped up its initial deployment to the U.S. 7th Fleet this month, carrying out manned and unmanned operations with the MQ-8C Fire Scout unit. But, after returning to its home port in San Diego in mid month mid-october the jackson's days may already be numbered although navy leaders plan to have more 
literal combat ships over the next several years they have a 30-year shipbuilding plan which calls for decommissioning the jackson in 2024 and eight other ships just like it now did you catch that year it was built it was commissioned in 2015 and it just had its maiden voyage its first voyage to the tune of $360 million, they would like to decommission nine of these literal combat ships. The very first one was built in, I believe, 2010. They're having an issue with them, or at least the USS Detroit. The Freedom-class ships have combining gear, which is the connection between the diesel engine and the gas turbine. So instead of repairing those and keeping the ships in service because they want to have a potential fleet over the next 30 years of 355 ships, basically they're going to get rid of $3.240 billion worth of boats. What do you think? Another waste of our money. Why is it we pay, I, I believe that's a Lockheed Martin ship in design, we pay these companies billions of dollars and we get junk and then we have to scrap the junk and then we get to start all over well let me forecast in the future for you in this 30-year plan if it does get passed since we're having trouble shipbuilding now we do not have enough employees to build said ships they're going to have to outsource so to what are they, china they're going to outsource to other countries guarantee it i know some are starting to outsource to india in different ways that we haven't outsourced to them before it's like if you want i think we've talked about this before so sorry for our listeners if it's a repeat but if you want a fair wage you want minimum standards you want you know certain amount of paid leave maternity leave paternity leave you want all of these great benefits you need to keep it here in the united states so the employees are getting what you want them to have and stop going for the cheap fix in another country. Because although it is very expensive, scrapping all these ships isn't helping either. No, it is not. And when I saw that article and I read it, I st- wanted to look at numbers of unemployment, current unemployment numbers versus jobs versus people looking for jobs. Because we don't have enough folks to build ships. We have enough folks to build ships. Do you think if we stop paying benefits to people and you have to actually work Uh, yes and interestingly right now unemployment the government is saying is extremely low or at its lowest rate ever i believe that's because just mind you trump under trump under obama under bush they've all done this too they quit counting people who are no longer actively looking but they're like either looking here and there And they quit counting people who have fallen off the unemployment rolls. Yeah, so I didn't realize that Mr. Mike Rowe, actor. Mike Rowe, is he Dirty Jobs or is that somebody else? Yes, that's Dirty Jobs and Deadliest Catch and all that. He had some interesting info and stats on unemployment right now and on job seekers. So apparently there's 11 million open jobs in America right now. 11 million. There's 7 million males age 18 to 55 that have checked out of the labor market and have no intention on returning. 
I don't know if it's because they're getting free money or what the deal is. And I thought that was an interesting stat along with some of the other stats he had about the way they manipulate the unemployment numbers and how that's actually an antiquated number from many, many years ago that they need to change the, the metrics and do it differently. So apparently we do have enough men and women to build ships and to build other products here in America. So we shouldn't have to outsource them and shame on the U S military or the federal government. If they do outsource that stuff, because like I said, I'm going to forecast in the future, we're going to see things that happen that we're going to have to go back and arrest people and find out they've stolen our technology. The technology is no longer valued or good. So we're going to have to scrap those boats and, it's just going to be this cycle. vicious cycle of not just ships. It's everything we do. We build structures. Structures aren't safe because we paid the wrong engineer to engineer it. We overpaid him, and he really wasn't qualified. So we have to tear the building down, tear the bridge down. Can't let people into the school we just built because they put it on a methane they field. Put it on a me- I just, uh, it's like redundancy. It's one redundant thing after another. So you want to talk about something good? I do. Let's talk about something positive. So a positive thing that happened is last Friday, a Laguna Beach senior, Bella Rasmussen, she became the first female player in California history to score two touchdowns in a football game. I want to talk about that. Do you know? Yes, because you know me, Mr. Listen to podcasts and YouTube. I'm Mr. YouTube now. Yeah, you are. And the one guy that we watch or I watch, and your mom occasionally, hopefully our numbers get up to his one day, but former congresswoman from the state of Hawaii who is now an independent and no longer. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard. Yes. She talked about gender equality, Title Nine. Oh, yes, there is a. A lot going on with Title IX. And transgender people, men, boys, playing against girls. Yes. And I actually, it's funny you bring this up about this young lady who scored the two touchdowns on a boys' football game. But there isn't a girls' football team down there, obviously, for her to play in. Correct. So if you don't want transgenders playing boys' and girls' sports, do we want girls playing in boys' sports? So my answer to that, coming from personal experience, would be yes. In that, one way you're making a choice, and the other way you're forcing a choice. As a girl to play on a boys' sports team, or what has generally been perceived as a sports team uh, for boys, you, you are knowingly making that choice of the discrepancy or potential discrepancy between the physical characteristics of a girl and the physical character characteristics of a boy. So in her case, I'm not uh, certain which position she happened to be playing at that time, but she has made a conscious decision on her physical abilities versus the physical abilities of all of the other players. When you go in reverse and you have a traditionally um, larger physical stature, sex which is boys and you place them in the traditionally smaller stature you know group typically girls 
you have an unevenness. One example of that unevenness would be during a volleyball game, which just happened in for a high school team. A biological male spiked a ball so hard it gave the female a concussion, injured her neck, and caused her to have continued vision problems, and she has not been medically cleared to return to the game. And this is a biological male in North Carolina. Physical differences exist. As much as people want to say that we're all the same, I would love to kumbaya and say that we're all the same, but in physicality, generally speaking, men on average are bigger, women on average are smaller. So to do a little side note for me personally, I tried out for the boys wrestling team because there was no girls wrestling team. In that particular case, it was done based on weight class, so I would only be wrestling in my particular weight class. So I made a decision to wrestle mostly against boys because there weren't a lot of girls at the time, but I ran into an issue where no boys in my weight class or otherwise would wrestle me. And so then it was just, I got someone forfeited against me when we were just like inside just our own team it wasn't an actual match and then nobody else would do it they're just like nope not gonna wrestle the girl not gonna happen so they made the decision to forfeit but I didn't want my whole season to be one big forfeit and you win because nobody will wrestle you that didn't appeal to me so I ended up quitting with that said I made the conscious decision I made the decision there so if it's the other way around it is a negative, you know, a negative impactful decision. And we've seen it in running. The fastest runners in the world, if you line them all up, men are going to be at the top. And there's going to be numerous men who are able to run faster than the fastest woman in the world at whatever, you know, marker you want to do it, short run, long runs, whatever. You are going to see many more men who are able to run faster than the fastest woman. It is an unfair advantage to just say, I'm a girl now. I just want to be a girl. I want to take over girl sports and I want to do girl things. So that way I suck when I run against men. But if I run against the the women, I will look great. And I, I just don't, I don't support that. And Tulsi Gabbard, when she was in office, felt the exact same way as you just laid out. And she actually, with a Republican friend of hers, put forward a bill to reaffirm Title IX. And it never went anywhere. And her own party behind the scenes started to castigate her. Yes, because you the the line is we're all the we're all the same, so to speak, and men can be women and women can be men and there's no line that separates the sexes. It's all in your head, so therefore, you know, let's let's go for it. Just say it's a, a figment in your head and move forward. It and it's not. You no, can... it's, it's showing that it's all about physicality, that you're correct. Men are physically more dominant than females. And these transgenders who I don't know, I don't have anything against, none of my business. They are showing by swimming, by volleyball, by track, almost every sport that 
they are superior as females when they're biologically still males. Yes. And in California, I believe all you have to do is say, I identify, and then you have the full rights and access to play for the your team that you want to play for. I mean, you still have to make the team, but you have the right to play for the team and you have the right to go into the locker space too. So lockers are shared locker rooms for uh, identifying boys and identifying girls. And as a transgender individual, if you identify as the opposite sex, you can go in there and you can go shower in the boys locker room as a girl. You say, I identify as a boy and you get to go shower in there. If you say, I identify as a girl and you're, you're physically still anatomically male, you get to go in there and you get to shower. It doesn't matter if you are making anyone else uncomfortable. If you're, it, it just doesn't matter. You get to identify that's California. And I don't want any child to have hormone therapies that completely alter their bodies for the rest of their lives. As, as a child, I believe you are too young to make that decision. You do not realize the impacts that you're going to have for the rest of your life. As an adult, if you want to make that decision, make it. But as a child, I do not believe you should be getting surgery and taking hormone therapies to for this particular situation. But with that said, since you're not doing those things, you shouldn't be allowed to play for the other team. When I heard that from a doctor online the other day that said, hey, wait till you're 17 and come see me. Right. I think it's a decision to make when you're an adult. And for people, I know that there's um, those out there who believe that a 13-year-old should make the decision to alter their body for the rest of their life. But they really, at 13, I mean, I was still, I, I look at the thoughts and, and the things that I did at 13 and 12, and I was not ready to make such a life-altering decision at 12 and 13. Nope, I was still playing with dump trucks in the sand. Speaking of in the sand, Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salam, is he in charge of that country? I think so. He is the man. I wonder if they realize over there, they being the people that leaked this information, that they actually behead people for lesser things. So apparently somebody within the government says that he mocked Biden in private and questioned his mental state. And he preferred preferred Trump over Biden, two to one. I hope that person is not found out because he will be gone. Yeah, it just doesn't sound like a very uh, smart decision to no, me. No, and he's a 37-year-old ruler, so he's going to be there a long time. So they really ought to watch what they say behind the scenes or in public. Because they will find out who leaked it. Because he knows, I'm sure, who was in that meeting when he said it. Right. So in um, news for people who are gone and are being charged with felonies, thank goodness, there was a group of daycare workers that filmed themselves putting on that, that scream mask, the scary mask from the late 90s from Scream, put on the mask scaring little babies, like two, three-year-olds. I think they were like between the ages of two and four who were just trying to eat, and they put the mask on and went around scaring them. The children are seen crying as this daycare worker, one filmed and one just screamed at them, and, and yeah, to the point of tears. It makes its rounds. 
They fire the daycare workers that were involved in doing that. And now apparently they've charged the daycare workers with felonies. Uh, child endangerment. It happened at a, a daycare in Mississippi. Well, I'm glad they're going to get some kind of punishment down the line here. I don't know if felony is the appropriate thing, but New York won't charge a guy wielding an axe in a fast food place threatening people. But here they'll go after somebody who scares the bejesus out of some little kids. Yep, felony child abuse and charges for failure to report child abuse. But you're right. So you go and an axe-wielding man who has a career history in crime continually gets released and daycare worker makes arguably the worst mistake of her life unless of course she's done other things apologizes for it and is facing felony child abuse so Brittany Griner we haven't talked about her in a bit she's appealing her sentence still in Russia well I remember if I remember correctly there was talk that she only pled guilty so that way the Biden administration could help to facilitate her release sooner because she had to be convicted in order for a prisoner swap to happen. Right. Well, I just realized that she's a two-time gold medalist. And if I were her, I would offer one or both of those gold medals to the appeals court judge coming up here in the next few days. I think they said that she, as a part of her prison duties, was going to have to train other people on basketball. It's not funny. No, it's not. It's very unfortunate because as many times as she's traveled around the world... She knows better. She knew better than to do what she did, but she also thought she was insulated because of who she was. And Russia may have arrested her and imprisoned her because she was so high profile, but we also know that they do it to the very low profile people too, the people with no profiles. Yes, and had Russia not been at war with Ukraine, which they still are, and we weren't supporting Ukraine with millions upon millions of dollars of weapons then she probably would have went right through there. Yes. Yeah. So we are in voting season. Our ballots, our mail-out ballots have already come to us. And in other states, they're doing their early voting. And wouldn't you know it, Georgia is making the news again. No. They are making the news. So on their very first day of voting, because they have early voting, Georgia broke records for voter turnout. They had the most. More voters than live in the state? Probably. No. (laughs) Well, the claim going around was that there was so much voter suppression in Georgia that it would be problematic. It would be problematic for the state. And Stacey Abrams has talked about the voter suppression. That's been one of her, her things that she's gone around saying because she is a candidate for governor. And it turns out that they've had, yep, they've had the most people on the first day ever, ever come out. So much for voter suppression. It was. They must have all gotten their IDs and their driver's licenses, and they have a way to the polls, which people were mocking folks around the U.S. for not being smart enough to do that. But apparently, they are pretty smart people. Yep, because that the number of people that came out was double the first day vote total for 2018. And so far, over 131,000 Georgians have cast their ballot. 
which is an 85% increase. Wow, that's a lot. From 2018. Yep. So things are looking good there as far as people being able to get out and vote. That is a very positive, positive thing there. So one of our listeners reached out to ask if we could talk about veterans and benefits. And so I'm just going to do a very brief scrape surface level scratch on that. So one of the things that you can do now with your VA benefits uh, or attempt to get VA benefits, you can actually go online and use the VA system to file a claim, va.gov, and there's there's different links in there. But something they have right now is called a fully developed claim. It's where you have all of your medical information or your claims, you have all the paperwork for it, or the VA has access to it, and you can file a claim with all of the documentation ready to go. That is called a fully developed claim. If you don't have that, you can file uh, your claim with the VA. Again, go to va.gov and you can um, st- you can start the process. So with the non-fully developed claim, usually you'll say, you know, this is my what I'm claiming. Here's my write-up for it. I will send you the paperwork as I get it. And you can give permission to the VA to get some of that documentation as well. And then they'll send you out for a medical workup. It'll either be done at the VA or sometimes they have a third party assigned to it. And they that will at least start the process, save your date. You have a year to get everything in and submit your claim. But when you first file and start the process, that saves the date. And so your pay will go back to that date if you are granted VA benefits. Well explained. Awesome. And if you need help, there's lots of different service organizations that will help, many different veteran organizations, and they do it for free. You can go and talk to them, and they'll help you file the claim. They'll help you develop and get the paperwork that you need. Fresno, if you're in the Fresno area, Fresno County actually has a department that is dedicated to helping veterans. And so you can make an appointment with this group, and they will help you with the process. So I've actually used the veteran organization through Fresno County, it is called the Veteran Service Office for the County of Fresno. You can go to www.co.fresno.ca.us. You can go to the website and they will schedule an appointment for a VA claims representative and they help you through whatever stage of the process that you're in. Or if you're just starting, they'll help you with that. They'll help you with completing DMV paperwork if you want the veteran's um, emblem on your Driver license, you can go to them with help um, for that issue too. They are amazing. They helped me when I was having an issue a couple years back. So definitely recommend going through them. Check your county if you're in a different location and see if your county provides these services. And it is taxpayer funded, but it is free to the veteran, at least here in Fresno. Well, that was incredible. Well, thank you very much for the question. And if you have any specific questions related to filing or related to processes, please let me know, and I would be happy to do more in-depth research for it. And if anyone else has any questions at all, please don't hesitate to ask. And you can find us where? 
You can find us at dirtsailor.co. We have links there for our Facebook and, and Instagram pages as well as our, our Podbean page. You can leave comments on Podbean and you can contact us through direct messages. Oh, happy anniversary. Congrats on 41 years. Woohoo! 41 years. She put up with my stuff for 41 years. We yeah. Can, if we can do 41 more, we'll set a record. Absolutely. Going to try. Do it. Have a great week. You too. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.